Welcome to the Long Run Podcast. My name is Weston Downing, and even though this podcast has nothing to do with running, it has everything to do with running the race of your life. Our heart behind this podcast is to help Christ followers navigate life and teach you how to live out your faith so you can make your life count in the long run of eternity. With that being said, here's another episode of the Long Run Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode. Today's a big deal because we now have three microphones back on the podcast here. I've got Robbie Flack, my typical, uh, my agent, uh, my assistant. Sidekick. Yeah, assistant to the code Sidekick. host. Sidekick. Mm. That other lovely voice that you're hearing. He was giving us some accents earlier. I'm kind of shocked that you didn't yeah, jump in with one. just going to be David now, I think. Just David. David is not new <laughs> to the podcast. This is not his first rodeo. When was the last, was it a year ago? Everything's two years ago, remember? That's true. With COVID, <laughs> <Blurred> <laughs> at least two and a half. <laughs> Blurred lines. Uh, so David is back on the podcast again. Davis, uh, I just called you Davis. Uh, David, tell the listeners real quick who are not familiar with you. Yeah. Your so bio. I grew up here in Memphis. I was involved with engaging internationals here in Memphis and then moved overseas to the Middle East for 20 years with my wife, raised two girls there. We got back in 2011. I've been involved with mobilization, coaching, training since I've been back and wrote a book called Mission Smart, um, helping people think through questions before they head overseas. And during COVID, stuck at home, added, started my own podcast with my wife and been having fun with that. So you can just look up Mission Smart, David Frazier, and there's a lot of practical stuff there. And what's Mission Smart about the podcast? It's more of the book. It's my wife's voice with me. So most people love listening to my wife talk than me. I wrote the book while we were still launching our kids. And so it's taking these same questions that are in the book. And so instead of updating the book or adding another book, we've just added some other topics and enriched the ones that are already in there. Very nice. Yeah. I've listened to a few episodes on my long drives for work, uh, mm-hmm. going through Mission Smart podcasts. You know, I like Miss Vicky a lot better than you, though. I, I, we could just I always get that. <laughs> well, today we got a big topic that we're going to try to put our arms around and mm. tackle because there's a lot of confusion uh, that is around the quote unquote calling on people's lives. Now, a few weeks ago, Robbie, me and you did one. Oh, how many? We did that, right? Yeah, God's I think so. Up. Yeah, <laughs> seems like a long time ago. Do y'all Couple feel months. like? Do y'all feel like the question, "What is God's will for my life, and what is my calling?" Do y'all feel like those are the same thing, or they're kind of different? What are your thoughts, David, Robbie? We might mean it that way, but in fact, the Bible is very clear. You know, His will for us is the is is how He wants us to be, mm-hmm. our character. Um, what kind of a man, what kind of a woman, husband, father, worker. And I feel like Scripture is pretty clear on, like, you're looking for the will of God. And we also see the heart of God. So we see things that he has a heart for, the orphan, the alien, the widow. So so that's like, what is God's will? You know, mercy, justice, Mm -hmm. loving, Mm -hmm. forgiveness. But calling seems to, I think we've put that into, what am I going to do with my 40-hour week and mm-hmm. vocations Vocation. and things like that. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of people ask the what is God's will for my life question thinking they're asking the calling question, but they're it, it's a lot more concrete. I like how you divided yeah. those two things up. 
But so today you're saying, Weston, we're going to focus more on the uh, calling side of things, which would be more of our vocation? Oh, yeah. In a sense, yeah. But calling, is it just contained to vocation or is it what do I want my life to look like? So the reason calling is so confusing, and y'all know this better than me, but young adults and college students find themselves with so many options and they're not sure what they want to do with their life. We related initially to the 40-hour work week, probably because we tie our identity so much to what we do for work. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, it's a good question. So calling can be kind of confusing because one of two things, there are multiple layers. One, we have to define what does calling actually mean? We kind of toss it around there a little bit. And two, it's how do you figure that out? Mm. Because I have heard, and I'm sure you all have as well, we just throw out the word. So when you come to a decision, and you don't want somebody to question it. You say, well, God called me to do that. And it's like, well, but you throw your arms up, you know, and you're like, well, that's the end of that. So here's a few categories, and then I'm going to shut up. But here's a few categories of how calling is used. Here's some common questions for, like, life direction, what we're going to talk about today. What is my calling? Or what is God's will for my life? As far as job and vocation, here's a big one for a lot of Christians. Oh, is God calling me to full-time ministry? Or what job or area is God calling me to? Is God calling me to go overseas? Mm. It's your wheelhouse, David. And then there's even further where it goes to decision-making, which we're not going to talk about so much today. Decision-making questions with the word calling look like, is God calling me to switch schools? Is God calling me to join this church? Is God calling me to take another job in this city? Is God calling me to marry this person? Mm-hmm. And it, I feel like it just puts a lot of pressure on God and it just doesn't you know take into play what your desire what you want to do or how you're made mm-hmm. what you're actually built to do I think calling we also get it from the Bible when you think of we think of the classic um, uh, you know Abraham's calling but as we know that calling was to God to follow him we don't think he's necessarily when God said, I want you to go to a place, his first calling was to God. Isaiah 6, we read where Isaiah, you know, we call that the calling of Isaiah to become a prophet. But when you read that passage, what really comes home to you is, is basically he is undone. He recognizes he is sinful. God redeems him, saves him. And then God says, who will go for us? Send me. But what is that based on? It's based on he has bought He's already been bought by the Lord. He it belongs to the Lord. So I think that I think the first thing we ought to talk about when we say calling is that we all, as followers of Jesus, our first calling is to God. And we say, oh, well, duh. We all know that one. Actually, I was going to read. There's a great book by Os Guinness called The Call, Finding and Fulfilling the Central Purpose of Your Life. But here's what he says. Calling is the truth that God calls us to himself so decisively. That everything we are, everything we do, and everything we have is invested with a special devotion and dynamism dynamism, lived out as a response to his summons and service. So when you think, am I called, you know, I don't know if I'm called into full-time ministry. I don't know if I'm called into missions. I don't know if I'm called to be a doctor. I think let's get it straight. First and foremost, we're called to God, and that should change everything. What does that mean? Well... If we only say calling is for people that have those special, I'm called to be a preacher, I'm called to be a missionary. And, of course, that is the area that I have been tackling for these last 10-plus years is trying to help 
people who believe they are called into cross-cultural ministry overseas or wherever. And I think what they're trying to figure out, well, the first mistake they make is that why is that the only vocation that requires a calling? So if somebody says, you know, I thought I was called into ministry, but I ended up becoming a dentist or I do roofs. Wait a minute. Why didn't he have a calling in life? Why isn't he called? Why? And so what Os Guinness is saying is if you are a roofer, but called by God, that changes the way you do roofs. That changes your whole view of your job, what kind of a boss you are, what you do with your money. Um, I had a pastor tell me because you're a missionary, I think there's a special you have a special, uh, heavier responsibility of the way you spend money. And I challenged that. And I said, what are you saying? You're saying if you're not called into ministry, you can do whatever you want with your money and your life. Well, see, that that sort of just gets us all off uh, the hook. And so we, and I think I know what men and, and women mean when they say, but I really feel God drawing me, pulling me into this particular vocation of full-time ministry or mission. I, I know what they're saying, but it's actually an unhelpful thing for the rest. Mm-hmm. First of all, it creates a special class. We're back to clergy and laymen, mm-hmm. and and it also puts an unusual amount of pressure. So imagine a person preparing to go, and they feel like they're called into missions. They get over there, and three years later, they have to come home. You tell me how distraught that person. You tell me how messed up that person is now, because now he's selling real estate, and I thought I was called into ministry. What a devastating thought! But if he saw his first calling to God. And the way God made him. And so I often tell a person, your calling should not be dictated by the zip code you're in. So I would often be introduced. This is David Frazier. He's called to the 1040 window, you know, in missions. And I end up spending the next 20 minutes speaking and destroying everything that person just said. Because what they're saying is, you know, David's called to that, to that people group. Well, what happens when I come home? I'm a fireman without a fire. I don't know what to do now. Mm-hmm. But when my calling is to God, and if I'm called, to, let, let's say I was called to be a to um, a vocation is how you make a living. But I believe calling should be wrapped up in the way you're made. So let's say if I'm, I feel like I am really good at mentoring people or discipling people, or I'm a good teacher. Well, David, you should be able to do that in any zip code on the planet. But if I wrap it up into I'm called to this church or this nonprofit or this country. Well, as we know, I I may lose all those. So then what am I now? Have I lost my calling? I hope not. I'm throwing a bunch of stuff out. Y'all want y'all to react to that. I mean, so first calling to God and then second is maybe to a vocation, but that vocation should be tied more into who you are than to where you're actually putting in your 40 hours. Yeah, I think that's good. I think a lot of, probably a lot of our listeners are early on in life, kind of in the springtime of life. And uh, I think that resonates with them, just trying to attach a vocation to how you're wired, how God's made you, how he's designed you. Um, How do you, how would you help someone who says, I want to figure out more how God's wired me? How would you help them do that? Or what would you, what advice would you give someone who's trying to figure that out? Yeah, instead of looking for a mystical calling, because people have asked me, how did you get called into this? It's one of the most common questions I get. 
and we don't have time in this podcast to go through it, but real briefly, it's, you know, first I knew my calling was to God. Then I started figuring out what God's, what's driving all of history, which is to reach all the nations to the ends of the earth. And then I started looking at the way I was built and what I wanted to do with my life. And then I started looking at different careers that would allow me to do that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a lot. And then I looked at the state of the gospel around the world. And then I decided, you know, can I go and can I do that? But long before I left, I started trying things. I started testing myself. I didn't want it to just be, I got back from a conference. I just read a book. You know, Piper just wore me out on a podcast and I'm ready to go. I wanted to see it confirmed. So I think there's nothing wrong with having that deep emotional feeling in which you've laid it all out and you say, I am, I am willing, I'm wanting to go into full time or to minute. That comes from saying I'm willing to lay down everything and live anywhere. Isn't that where we all should be? I mean, do mm-hmm. all of us need get away with saying, well, I know I'm called to the South because I love SEC sports or something silly like that. <laughs> I met a guy in college who said, I don't think God would ever call me anywhere that doesn't have a, a coast because <laughs> he's a surfer. Mm-hmm. And I thought, bro, you don't know anything about God because I feel what God says is he gives you a blank piece of paper and says, sign it. We like to say, here's what I want to do. God, would you sign this? He gives you a blank paper and you sign it. And you're like, well, I don't see what's on it. And he says, yeah, let me fill it. So... So then back to your question of how do we, how do we figure that out? I, I remember a teacher once said, in your 20s, your life should be dictated by what you say yes to. Uh, in your 20s and your 30s. When you're in your 40s and your 50s, your life should be dictated by what you say no to. Because you should know more then about what you shouldn't be doing. But when you're in your 20s and 30s, you should be testing things out. Try to teach that class. Try to... Um, go to these different places, take these trips. Um, you know, somebody's like, I don't know if I'm a call to be a teacher. Start teaching, teach you, teach your roommates, man. I don't know. Try something and find out if people come up and go, you're, you're actually pretty good at that. Um, where do you feel like a lot of the confusion comes from? Do you think we've created that confusion with the whole subjective, like you said, strong compulsion of, oh, I'm called to do that. And you see the preacher who gets up on stage and he says, well, when I was 12, God called me to the ministry. I couldn't do anything else. And everyone looks and says to themselves, well, I haven't had that. That. That's part of it. You're absolutely right. And I would also challenge that person that says I'm called to ministry. Does that mean he can't do anything else? He can't be bivocational? Because you guys know that you get married and you have children, you may be called upon to, you know, where your wife looks at you and says, I don't know if you're called to it, but we need some more money. You know, we need a house. We need a new vehicle. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that, I don't think that denies your calling in the ministry. Back at once again, if we tied it into the way I'm made, I had a mentor tell me, don't ever tie it to a vocation or a zip code. And so what you want to figure out is what you're made to do and what you're good at. And you can find ways to pay the bills. Do you, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I remember the great William Carey. You know, he was a shoe cobbler. You know, but we think of him as the father of modern missions. Well, I've heard people say, you know, I, I'm called to be a preacher, but I, I fix shoes to make a living. So let's, okay. Right. But when you talk about full-time ministry, or being in the pastorate or being a missionary, that's a vocation. 
And I have seen people get in trouble with thinking that's the only thing I should do, which is why I often challenge young men and women that are heading into missions, that's the area I'm in, is to get marketable skills and find a way to do things so that if you ever find yourself not on the mission field, you have a way to do some things as opposed to sitting there going, well, I know I can do ministry, but I don't, you know, I need to be able to make a living here. Um, Yeah, let me give some questions to your when you said, how does somebody discover it? I, I compiled some questions from some different people. I know Keller, Tim Keller had some of these, and I found them somewhere else. Questions to consider when you're looking for your calling or your vocation in life. Number one is gifting. And the question is, are you good at something? And do other people think you're good at it too? I, if I had not, when I was teaching English, I was learning to be an English teacher. Teaching English is a second language. And I remember so different students coming up to me, telling me, I've never understood that verb tense. You're a very good teacher. You make this interesting. You're funny. I enjoy this class. Okay, that was important for me before I just kept heading down that path. So I think gifting, you know, I'm called into preaching. (laughs) You don't want your church to go, well, you may be called into preaching, but we're not called to listen to you. I mean, that would not be fun, would it? Or I lived overseas for 20 years, and I found people who just wouldn't leave because they felt God had told them to be there, and yet the locals are going, what's up with this this family or this guy or this gal? They seem to be struggling and miserable. So I say gifting is very important. Are you good at something, and do other people think you are? Number two, energized. Do you enjoy doing something and feel energized when doing it? You. You mentioned that. I don't know if it was here when we started recording, Weston, or, or, or was it before we started, the question of, why can't we ask, Are you? do you really enjoy something? You know, the old, uh, I feel God's pleasure, you know, when I run, as Eric Little said. Mm-hmm. I think we're scared of that, like God's going to call me to a really hard place and I'm going to hate it there. Um, yeah. People ask me how I ended up in the country I was in, and it really was – you know, a very needy place where I could work. My wife and I both enjoyed it, and we enjoyed the people. Why can't those things come together? I felt energized doing it. Yeah, that's a good one. And I think, too, uh, it's probably good to note here that's like with every job or thing you're doing, there's not everything about that job is going to energize you. Thank but you. certainly there would hopefully be things where you're like, man, I really enjoy that. I really come alive when I'm doing that. And uh, I think people can usually tell when you're in operating in that zone too. Well, a lot of it's times. worth it. Let's say a guy is doing roofing or building houses. There's nothing easy about that. But why does he feel energized? When he says, I feel energized doing this, and I love working outside, and I love working with people and seeing my project finished. What he's saying is all that hard banging, you know, hitting my hand with a nail and all the work that's involved on cold days, it's worth it. I enjoy my work. So it's never, it doesn't mean everything's fun. And you're right, that is a challenge for younger generations who, who think everything should be fine when there's going to be uh, obviously getting, becoming an expert at something and getting to the point where you're energized may take a few years to get there. Mm-hmm. Number three is contribution. I asked the question about when you're considering a vocation. Can what you're good at, remember, something you're good at, something you feel energized in, other people think you're good at it, can what you're good at and enjoy doing make people's lives better? 
do you feel that you're able to make a, a good contribution? I think when I was overseas, I was often asked, you know, what do I do here? And I think if all I'd had was I'm here to bring, you know, the gospel, it would have been hard for people to see in me in the community as being helpful to the community. And I think in the work I'm doing here, I wouldn't enjoy this work or feel called to it if I didn't feel I was filling a space that others were not. In other words, it was an area that was needed. So contribution is key. Number four is provision. <laughs> this seems obvious, but maybe this sounds like what your dad would want to put in here. Will this skill vocation allow you to realistically and practically provide for you and your family's needs? You know, because if you laid out all these other things, I just love what I'm doing. I just love what I'm doing. <laughs> and your family's over there and yeah, and all we're eating is ramen noodles. You know, that's not going to work. And then number five, opportunity. Has God provided an opportunity for you to study this field or to enter this vocation? I've met people that said, my uncle... He's been doing real estate for 20 years, and he gave me a shot at it or preaching. I have this buddy of mine who allows me to preach once a month, and that's allowing me to develop and see if I'm good at this. So when you have an opportunity, so those are the five uh, things to consider, gifting, energized, contribution, provision, or opportunity. And I definitely feel like we resort, my generation resorts, to trying to discover calling because, honestly, we're spoiled with so many decisions. Like, it's not what it was like 100 years ago when it's like, oh, well, you know, I grew up here in Memphis. I did one of three things, work for the police department, the fire department, or MLGW, and become a lineman because that's what you do in the working class. Or what your dad did or what right. What opportunity you had. Survival is – Yep. Now, for some people, survival is number one priority. For a mass majority, a mass majority of people, it's not let me just put food on the table, but I have all these options. Let me discover all these things about myself, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is vastly different than what it was for my grandparents. And we often think you can do anything you want. That's a lie we get. We get it from movies all the time. Just just follow your dream. But remember, I believe a key part to calling is the way you're made. The way God's built you and what you're good at. And and so what you're trying to figure out is what your strengths are and maximize those. So when if I if you said I can do anything, no you can't actually. Okay, and that's where it would be not. It would be great if what you enjoy and you're energized with is also something that you're really good at, and that's the convergence we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Like you said, some people do jobs, and they're like, "My dad will tell you, you know, I worked at a bank for 38 years. I didn't feel called to that bank. I got married. My wife, you know, we got we started having two kids, and I needed a job, mm-hmm. and then I got good at that. But today, it's as if there are you know, a thousand options out there. So that brings me back to calling. It's when you even present the word calling, Mm -hmm. it's you're answering something from God, this compulsion, this inner emotion. But for a lot of people that, you know, you talk to and that chose a different career, it's like, well, I mean, this is where the jobs were. And so how much of it really is trying to discern a call from God? Is it that spiritual or is it very practical? That might get into another can of worms, but I feel like there's a lot of pressure that's involved with trying to discern or decipher the call. I don't think they use it for these other vocations. Um, I felt called to be a dentist. No one uses that word. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt called to business because that's that's saying God drew me into becoming this businessman. Well, 
actually, if we go back to that original comments we made, that I believe God should be involved in all these decisions and the fact that he owns you. And so you could put it this way. I believe God made me good at business, and I think I can make a lot and bless not just me and my own family, but others with that. Okay, mm-hmm. so what is that tied to? The way you're made. Yeah. But you're right. The people that are going into ministry, whether that be church, nonprofit, or mission work, we like to use that word calling. Well, let me ask you all, why do you all think we attach it that? Is it because of the biblical terms or throughout church history? You hear that word, you know, he was called when he was mm-hmm. 15. Um, and then he never lost that calling. And it was a very sort of God, I guess, put that calling on his life. And I think those are the old stories, aren't they? You know, the old preachers, you know, mm-hmm. called into the ministry and the ministry, preached till yeah, he was 92. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's a if that's a real healthy thing to hold on to, that you could get stuck there. Mm-hmm. What do you think? How could that run into trouble? I mean, it seems like there's probably a, a good way in which we have those desires. Like we, if we're going to do something where we feel like we're serving the Lord, you know, in a sense, like for a vocation, for a job, we probably want to have some suggest subjective of God's blessing on our lives or on our ministry. And then there's probably ways in which we try to over spiritualize things to feel good about it. When I think sometimes it can be, just looking practically at our lives. How are we wired? Does that line up with this ministry job? Are there opportunities for a ministry mm-hmm. position? Or did someone, you know, was there a guy that came to, you know, my church or whatever and was inviting people to go try overseas? And I felt like that was, I think it can be a lot more simple than mm-hmm. we make it. Well, you're finding out if this is something that fits who you are. I think when you say, if you say I'm called, this is what I've found. This is why I coach people that are going into missions. If you say you're called to be a missionary, you're called to this country or this people group, what you're saying is, okay, you're setting yourself up for I don't know what I'm going to do. If something happens to my self, mm-hmm. my own journey, or where I'm living. And that's why I've found people literally on the mission field that I needed to hold their hand and uh, give them permission to go home, yeah. to do something different, to leave the field. But if they're still going, I, I can't. I was called to this. I said, wait, wait, what were you called to? And if he says to me, I'm called to missions, hey, there's many ways to serve missions. Or I'm called to these people. Hey, there are large pockets of these people groups in other places. You ever thought about taking your family to a place mm-hmm. that's better for them? And sometimes you get locked into that. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we can set ourselves up for a trap. Right. Even just by using the terminology of calling, like you just said, can bring a lot of unwanted pressure and confusion. And we're not going to make a definitive statement that we just need no. to throw it out right no. now, but we're just no. addressing problems that you have to talk to people my age about same thing with Robbie and the same thing I hear from college students one being the big one like we already discussed am I called into full-time ministry and here's the beauty though when you think about missions you think because it's it's kind of a I mean it's a noble thing to ask that that hey I want to you know make less money to be in this vocational ministry I will applaud that but there brings 
that unwanted pressure and confusion when you ask that question. And especially when everybody else is applauding that and they're upholding that. Well, once again, we're, we're doing the, the higher calling. Mm-hmm. Right. Did you see that? Exactly. And then there's the lower. Right. Well, that's putting pressure on you to never enter that lower. Right. And we value, I mean, because it's God's work. Mm-hmm. He's doing that full time at some type of sacrifice, whether moving overseas or taking less pay to do here in the States or or anything. But like me and Robbie have discussed in a few episodes before, when you understand your role in obeying the Great Commission as a plumber, electrician, as a dentist, yes. there's freedom in whatever you want to do for work because you can leverage it all for the kingdom and it not just be, oh, well, he's the preacher. He has all this influence, but I just work at my job for the glory of God. That's right. And there's so many ways to do missions now, and there's so mm-hmm. many ways to be to do ministry. What if he did call you to be uh, in a business role but then also mentor young people? Um, my wife and I are now trying to help younger couples. Oh, so you're a marriage counselor. I didn't say that. I didn't study that. So it gives you a freedom to say, no, but this is where we are in our life. This is what we think we're both able to do, capable to do. We're getting good feedback on it. Now, whether or not I want to turn that into a vocation. Right. So I think better to say I feel called by the Lord to invest in people using my strengths and gifts. Mm. And I think discipleship is one of them, or you may say evangelism is one of them. Good. I think the next question is, how can I do that? What's the best way I'm built to do that? Or what the circumstances I'm in right now? Um, you know, if it is trying this for two or three years in a working for a nonprofit full-time ministry, great. But if you find a way to do that bivocationally, that's okay too. Don't ever put that in the high and the low. And like you said, most of the time people come up to me and say, I always thought I would go into ministry or I thought I was called to that. But I I ended up, first of all, they said, I I stayed here. Okay, well, you can do missions right here in the U.S. now. Um, But turns out I just took over my dad's business. And he's missing, I think, a big piece of how God wants to work in all of us. Uh, and he wants us all engaged in the church. Mm-hmm. Because if we follow this path of higher calling and the most gifted, and he's got the calling on his life, any of you that are in church leadership know the last thing you want your congregation to think is that y'all are the experts and that you need to do the work. When we know that as a leadership of a church, you're trying to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. But one of the problems is that they often say but you're you're the high priest man you're the priest mm-hmm. i'm i'm just a guy that you know works over here at this at this company and we don't want we don't want that and i think that debilitates the church mm-hmm. so this is a really important topic yeah big so i like those five questions you have for us uh just some something that i think could be really practical let's see if i'm if i'm understanding it right it's kind of like you could almost do like a venn diagram like those things that have circles i guess i think that's what it's called Mm -hmm. where you have like gifting things i'm good at like spiritual gifting and just ways you're wired and then you got a circle for like what energizes me and then you got a circle for like where am i making a contribution what opportunities do i have and kind of like where all those come together and then you i guess the last question would be is there anything in there that could provide for me and family eventually if it checks that box? And and one thing I didn't want you to forget is that external 
confirmation. I speak about that in my book when I say, yes, there is an internal confirmation. I feel called to go do this. But in any vocation, you should, you you know, if you want to be a lawyer or a doctor, you, you don't just to confirm yourself. You don't, there. you're going to pass something. You need to have outside confirmation. And so I'd say that for any field is you want input. And so I encourage people to ask their roommates, ask their family, ask their best friends, ask their mentors, and ask for honest input. Like, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Um, You really think I'm, you know, what do you say are my strength? Like when you leave a job, job did not work out. I always tell my kids, go back to your boss. What do you think I was really good at? What do you think my strengths are, my weaknesses were? Come on, please tell me. Or, Or this has been a waste for me. I mean, I've made a contribution and I made a few bucks, but I want to know. So yeah, I think that convergence. And once again, I could I could hear an older generation looking at those five things and saying, uh, I didn't have a, a chance for all of those. I had to do a job. And but that is why we're talking to young people on this podcast, right? You have the opportunity to try some things out and say yes to some things. And you've got a better shot at convergence today than other people. There, Listen, I work with, uh, you know, refugees that are coming into this country. They don't have all these options. They have to take the first job they get. And it's probably 10 bucks an hour moving boxes, no matter what they did back in their country. But if, if someone's listening to this right now and says, you know, I can't figure out what to do in grad school. Grad school. So wait a minute. You're telling me you've already paid off school debts and now you're able to do grad school. Yeah, and my family's going to help me or I can get a GA. Okay, wow. You're at an amazing opportunity. But before you choose that, we're saying you should try out some things and figure out what you're good at. Missions, I always tell people. I didn't get called by basically going down the street and God just showed me a people group, said, come on over here. I I started working with internationals. I started trying to engage many different people groups. This particular people group, I began to enjoy and really enjoyed my relationships with them. They also happened to be an unreached people group. I went and visited that country. I took my wife with me. So there were many steps in this. I think there's some people in the world that get a mystical, unique God told me to go to that place. That's great. It doesn't happen for most of us. Mm-hmm. I have found. Yeah. Um, Especially too. There's unwanted, uh, of course, pressure with calling. But when we limit our life, you said it initially when we came on. When we limit our life to just what we do as a job, and that's our life. That's who we are. You're the real estate guy. That's you're the right. pastor. Mm-hmm. What's you know, on your card? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had a good professor my senior year at University of Memphis. He was my business law professor. And he said, you need to stop asking what job you want to do, but what type of life you want to live. And then you insert the job into there. Because if you want to be this guy and you, you want to have this cool job and be an FBI agent and bring justice for the glory of God, but you don't want to be gone and working 80 hours you know, you probably don't need to be an FBI agent because mm. you're going to have crazy hours. Mm-hmm. You're going to be gone on the weekends, especially if you're a hostage negotiator. You'll get looped into a bank robbery on Friday afternoon. So now you start looking at what are the priorities mm-hmm. in my life, how I'm wired, and what I want just more than what I'm tied to on a 40-hour work week. And I would add to what your professor said when you bring in the calling of God on your life is 
what do you think your contribution to the kingdom of God mm. is? And, you know, as you, that should, you should think that through as you choose your grad school, your next job, and what you, you know, can you do that and pay for it in another way? So, like you said, rather than that career, what's on your card, I want to ask, who are you? Mm-hmm. So if you would ask me today, without this topic, Dave, what do you think your calling in life is? I would not have attached it to where I'm living or the nonprofit that I'm working with now. I would attach it to what I found, my sweet spot, in what I do for God's kingdom. That's good. And that's that's what you're after. Mm -hmm. And we'll figure out there are ways to pay the bills. That's good stuff. And let me say, I just, I remember when someone asked Martin Luther about, you know, the calling. And what he was trying to do in the Reformation was flip that higher calling, lower calling, because he, he, he made a statement that I'll never forget. He said, God is just as pleased when a monk prays and when a father changes a diaper. Mm-hmm. And what he was trying to do was level, so that level the field right. that, you know, a guy puts on shingles and a guy preaches a sermon. If they're fulfilling what God's had them to, to do, let's celebrate both of those and not one put one higher and maybe one day we'll hear a guy say, you know what I'm called to do? I'm called to disciple men, and I do it through my construction business. That's it. That's what? it. Perspective what? shift. Yeah, as opposed to, mm-hmm. oh, you've got a ministry? What's your .org? That's not what I just right. said. Right. right. This is good stuff. That's it. Good conversation brings a lot of clarity when we use that word so loosely, which is calling and the confusion wrapped around it. Robbie, you got mm-hmm. anything else you want to add? Well, I mean— I love that Martin Luther quote. As a dad of two young kids, I will never look at changing diapers the same ever again. Amen. I like that. Or or putting on roofs. Yep. That's it. Or whatever you're doing. No, this is great. Thanks, David. Uh, really good stuff to think about. I think it made it really practical, super helpful. Thanks, guys. David, thanks for coming on. You can check out David's podcast, Mission Smart, linked below in the description. Go and click that. Check through and just scroll through some of those titles of those episodes. If you're considering going overseas for missions, even there's some topics I found in there that relate to all this vocation talk that we're going mm-hmm, through. Mm-hmm. And Go the book. Those. Get yeah. the book. We're going to link that in the description below. There you got to go. buy the book. I've read it. 15 critical questions before going overseas. Bingo. Thanks, Weston. That's it. David, thanks for coming on again. Thanks, guys.